TED Audio Collective. As I might have mentioned in past episodes, my sisters and I attended a K-12 private all-girls school in New York City. We were one of the few African families, so my mom would visit the school to share our rich cultural heritage, doing things like teaching African cuisine, songs, games, you name it. She was so good that she was asked to teach there. Initially, she said no. She and my father had their hands full just trying to make life work in the U.S., a whole new world for them. But every single year, the school would ask her to join the faculty, and eventually she said yes. However, saying yes meant figuring out who would care for my baby sister when she was not yet old enough to go to school. Enter Aunt Viola. My mom learned of a lovely Caribbean woman from Aruba who was caring for her mom and potentially had some capacity to babysit my sister. When she asked, Aunt Viola politely declined. She wanted her freedom. She didn't want anything to do with it. But then my mom and Aunt Viola actually met in person, and my mom said it was love at first sight. They just understood each other and connected with each other right away, and Aunt Viola couldn't turn her down. So she agreed, and believe it or not, once Aunt Viola started caring for my sister, the word got out about how good she was with children, and this little favor became a business that started to grow. She went from caring solely for my sister to babysitting six or seven other kids in the neighborhood. And she wasn't just a caretaker. She was like a second mother to so many of us. She'd take us to church on Sundays, hot comb our hair, cook us fried chicken, and almost 40 years later, she remains one of my mom's best friends. Aunt Viola is family. Heck, I call her Aunt Viola, and her kids my cousins. I love Aunt Viola. We all do. Aunt Viola is a connector. It was through her that so many people in the building got to know each other. I wish every child could benefit from having an Aunt Viola in their lives. And maybe there's a way. How can we take the beauty that Aunt Viola created and make it work for even more communities? I'm Madupa Akinola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Chris Bennett. He's an entrepreneur and early childhood education advocate. He spent a lot of time thinking about childcare. He's a big supporter of the Aunt Viola approach, and in this talk, he shares his idea for how more communities can make affordable, home-based childcare a reality. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Hey, TED Business listeners. We're supported by our friends at Working Smarter, a new podcast from Dropbox exploring the exciting potential of AI in the workplace. Working Smarter talks with founders, researchers, and engineers about the things they're building and the problems they're solving with the help of the latest AI tools. Tools that can save them time, improve collaboration, and create more space for the work that matters most. On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do, 
so that you can work smarter too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. This is Yoli. I went to her childcare program that she started out of her home, in the community where I grew up, I was in our program when I was four. Over the years, she served hundreds of children in our community. Her program was so fun. We played outside, we played hide and seek, there was Play-Doh, there were blocks. Yoli would ask us things like, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling angry? She really helped us make sense of the world. She really focused on communication. It was a mixed-age classroom. There were children that were infants. There were toddlers. The older children learned to lead. The younger children learned from the older children. As it turns out, we were doing incredibly important work in her program. People often think that the real learning starts in kindergarten, but 90% of our brains develop between the ages of zero and five. And far too many children don't get access to the type of early learning experiences I had in Yoli's program. Whether that's through a childcare program in a home, a center, a nanny, a caring parent, a grandparent. In fact, 175 million children aged three to six don't get access at all. In the US, 51% of Americans live in areas called childcare deserts, where there's not enough childcare. And what this shortage does is it leaves parents having to choose between their careers and childcare. Even in places where there's free childcare or public pre-K options, there's not enough spots. So parents are forced to drive across town for options that don't meet their needs. They're forced to wait in these really long wait lists and succumb to lotteries to try to get into programs. And this shortage isn't due to, due to us not trying. In the 70s, we pinned our hopes on television to, to solve our problems. Today, the touchscreen generation is learning how to count, how to read, using apps and games. But apps and games can't care for our children. Apps and games can't change diapers, can't ensure our children are getting access to the appropriate social-emotional growth that they need. And there hasn't been enough money, enough teachers, enough classrooms. We've tried everything. We haven't been able to solve it. So what if we could live in a world where we did have enough childcare? where parents had a multitude of options to choose from in their communities. Maybe the answer is right under our noses. Maybe Yoli was onto something. Our homes. Rather than investing trillions of dollars building new buildings, 
What if we empowered more people to start childcare programs out of their homes? Based on our data, it costs about $25,000 per spot if you create a commercial space for childcare. That's 25,000 times each child you want to serve in that program, where you can do that for a fraction, a couple hundred dollars, if you do it in a home-based program. And we can make it easier for parents to find these programs. Software is great for this. So with software, we can make it easy for folks to start programs, get connected to parents. Decades ago, who would have thought that we would be able to create a software network of drivers, connect them to millions of passengers, and solve the transportation needs or play a role in solving the transportation needs of our fastest-growing cities, or take our spare bedrooms and apartments and make them available online and create an industry that competes with the largest hotel chains. So my dream is to create that kind of network, but for home-based childcare, to create a movement where we empower people to start childcare programs out of their homes and play a role in solving the challenges in their communities. These programs could be more affordable, they could be nimble, safe, they could be laboratories of innovation. And I'm one of the entrepreneurs who's working on advancing home-based childcare. And what I'm going to share with you is how I think we can turn that idea into a reality. So first off, when it comes to starting a program, we want to make sure that the program is safe, it's high quality, it's a program parents can trust. Christina started a childcare program out of her home in San Francisco, started with her husband. When she decided to start her program, she had to get registered with the state. She got licensed by the state. They came out and visited her program, made sure she was operating a safe program. She was background checked along with her husband. And if there's any issues that she experiences in her program, any violations, she shares this information with the state, and the state makes it publicly available. To make this work, we got to make sure it's easy for parents to get this information when they're making a decision for their children. Along with this, we need more information about Christina's program. What's her background? What's her philosophy? What are her tuition rates? Who else is in the program? Is she operating a safe program? Is this a program parents can trust? Along with this, what do other parents think about the program who have been enrolled in the program? This is the type of information parents need when they're making this decision for their children. When operating a childcare program, it's not the same as driving a car, making your apartment available online or delivering groceries. It's really important we ensure that the programs that get created are safe, secure, and allow us to live up to the promise of early childhood education. Lastly, when it comes to starting a childcare program, we need to make it easier for folks to take the leap. There's this big misconception that starting a childcare program out of your home is expensive, and you can barely make a living doing so. But that's, that's not true. The economics vary widely by location, by your home, by your background. It's really similar from an economic standpoint, the way real estate works in terms of how rents work in different markets. For example, when Christina started her program, she was able to break even within three months of starting her program. And we're seeing folks start programs in studio apartments with one to two children in the program. And we're seeing a wide variety of different types of folks starting programs. We're seeing grandmothers or former K-12 teachers. We're seeing social workers, artists. We're seeing 
Montessori teachers who've been in the field for 20 years and realize the opportunity of running their own program. Folks who are into forestry and have master's degrees, former nurses starting fully outdoor programs. Going back to Christina, Christina was a former child therapist. And uh, when she started her program with her husband, she quickly got to a point where she was earning six times as much income running her program than she was in her prior career. She was able to move to a single family home in San Francisco to operate her program. And the big reason why she's able to do this is she's not having to incur the cost of commercial real estate. She's doing this out of her home. And her program is actually more affordable than programs nearby. It's a win-win for her and for the parents. So I want to live in a world where there's more Christinas, where there's more Yolis, where parents don't have to drive across town for programs that don't meet their needs, where parents don't have to drop out of the workforce to ensure their children are getting access to the vital early education our children need. A world where we can walk around our neighborhoods and tour a Spanish immersion program, a fully outdoor program, a science-based program, and make a choice. It's during these early years, children learn to speak, they learn to communicate, they learn teamwork, they learn what it's like to start something and fail and try again. A lot of the skills I use as a CEO today, running my company, these are things I learned before I was five. These are the moments and experiences that make us who we are and make us human. And I can't think of anything more important than that. Thank you. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Just like Chris, I learned so much from Aunt Viola. She knew how to cook some chicken, bake some cake, dress to the nines, sing a song, and just love unconditionally. She was also a woman of faith and instilled that deeply in so many of us. And here's the thing. She lived right in my building, two floors down. I could go to her for anything at any time. You know, as a kid, when you want to run away from your house, you'd think, where can I go? Many a time, I thought, let me go to Aunt Viola's. Then I'd pause and think, nope, she'll just call my parents. 
but at least you'll listen to why I want to leave. Every child needs that. So this idea of having childcare right in your neighborhood means you can have a source of support just a few steps or blocks away. As it turns out, Chris's company has worked with local governments to support these models financially. But what if companies helped too? Some do adopt this philosophy by having childcare on site. There's Patagonia, Goldman Sachs, SAS, and I think that's great. But models like this aren't possible for every company. These on-site childcare programs can be expensive, and not every organization has the budget or the space for them. Chris's talk made me wonder, what if companies invested in community childcare solutions instead? What if companies gave small grants to the Christinas, Yolis, and Aunt Violas of the world to help neighborhoods develop home-based childcare systems? This would be a fantastic way to support the communities they're a part of. That got me to thinking about other ways companies can impact their local communities. I'm a professor at Columbia Business School, and we have something called the Columbia Harlem Small Business Development Center, which has assisted thousands of local businesses since 2009. The center offers workshops, counseling, and financial assistance to a range of organizations in Harlem. And all these examples I've shared are just a few ways businesses can be better neighbors. Do you have any other ideas? If so, please share them with me at business at ted.com. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Transmitter Media with help from Jordan Bailey and fact-checked by Matias Salas. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Bakanola. Talk to you again next week.